Hey, my name is Hazel Jennings, and this is The Hardest Part, a podcast where I talk to people about the hardest part of something they've experienced, good or bad, and then I edit those conversations down to be short enough that you could listen to the whole thing on a quick walk. The person I talk to is very near and dear to my heart. She's my mom. I was back in Pennsylvania for a long weekend, and since I had my recording equipment with me, I asked her if she'd let me interview her. We talked about the hardest part of starting her first business when she was 57 years old. One note here, because it's hard to remember to record lots of context-setting questions when you're interviewing your own mother, Uh, my mom refers to her husband, David, a few times, but she also talks about being a single mom. Um, My mother was single for most of my life, and then she just married her husband, David, five years ago. Anyway, I hope that you like it. Can you tell me your name, what you do, and your relationship to me? (laughs) (laughs) My name is Peggy Jennings. I am an independent college admissions consultant, and I'm your mom. And what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about uh, my decision to start my own business very late in life. Private or independent college admissions consultants work one-on-one with families and high school students primarily who want um, an individual approach to their college search process. How long have you been in business? Mm, four, four years, I guess. What were you doing before you started your own business? Um, I was teaching in the public schools, and that was my second career. My first career was being a college administrator. And I was really frustrated with the environment that I was working in, but not frustrated with the work that I was doing, just Mm. with the people that I was doing it with. And by that, I don't mean the students. I mean the administrators and and the, the framework of public schools. I found it very restrictive and um, found that there were so many times that I was being prevented from doing what I wanted to be doing and what I thought, not just selfishly what I wanted to be doing, but what I knew would be best for my students. Mm. Um, and so that frustration led me to want to leave teaching. But the big question was, okay, so at that point, I'm like 57 years old, 58 years old. What, what else do I do? What else can I do? How long did it take you from sort of the moment that you thought, well, maybe I'll quit my job and, and start my own business to actually doing it? Probably, probably a good 18 months. I'm, I'm not an impulsive person. <laughs> really, Mom? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was, frankly, really, really scared of making that change. I mean, when you think about it, um, public school teachers have great pensions. They have amazing health benefits. They have good working hours. Um, you know, the whole proverbial summer off, which isn't really a whole summer off, but there's a lot of flexibility to it. And I kept saying to myself, how much of a fool are you to leave that five or six years before you could retire? Mm -hmm. That's a stupid idea. That's dumb. What's wrong with you? You have a perfectly good job that pays you very predictably and with health insurance and with a pension and with you know good benefits why would any sane person give that up Mm -hmm. 
And I, I would say that directly to David a lot. I would say, I can't do that. That's crazy. And, and he would say, but you're miserable. Mm. Isn't, isn't your own happiness worth something? What kinds of things were you afraid of? Um, everything. As a single parent, I've always had to support my family. And so right now, um, over the past three years, is the first time in my adult life that I have not been self-supporting. If it weren't for David's income, I, I couldn't pay the bills on the house. You know, I couldn't support myself. That is, ap is still, in many ways, very, very terrifying for me. Um, to think of not being able to take care of myself. I, kn I know my personality is not terribly entrepreneurial, um, and I'm st I remain somewhat uncomfortable about asking people to pay me for my expertise. I was fortunate enough to have the support of my husband who kept saying, no, we can do this. We, we, it, it's going to be okay. You don't have to make that much money every year. And so for that startup time, we can make that work. How many years ago did you marry David? Uh, five, almost six. I wonder if you have any stories from, I guess, the first summer after you quit your job as a teacher and, and what it felt like to be like, okay, like, it's real now, it's mm -hmm. happening. Um, stories that felt really good or maybe moments that were really scary. Uh-huh. For me, the it, it was really hard to... Um, to figure out how I was going to organize my time. Um, my biggest fear, knowing that I am not particularly entrepreneurial, is that I would just sort of sit down in my office and I would spend the whole day on the internet, on Facebook or something, and not, get nothing done. Mm -hmm. And so trying to figure out a balance between the alarm going off at 5.15, like it did when I worked at the school, and you get in the shower and you have breakfast and you go to work and then you sit there until the bell rings and then you go home and then you do this, you know, and realizing um, that I could have flexibility and still be productive. It's not so much about starting a business as it is trying to manage your own time and figure out how to prioritize that. I like that phrase <coughs> that it's not so much about starting a business, it's just managing your time. I know. <laughs> it's all starting a business is. Well, I think it's a lot of it. Yeah. I think it is. Because there's endless numbers of things you can tell yourself are part of starting a business and that are basically wasting time. You know, like, oh, I should design a brochure. Um, I, I can send all these drafts off to my daughter and she can tell me what she thinks of this brochure. And then I can redo it again. And then I can decide that I don't like the software that I use to design it. And then I can find another piece of software to design it. None of which is either serving students or finding new students. <laughs> None of it. <laughs> so real. Are there any advantages to starting a business at 57? I, I'm a lot more confident of who I am, you know, as a person. Um, than I think I would have been much younger. Because in a sense, I don't have so much to prove. Mm -hmm. I have, I can show you a, a, a successful career other than this. So even if this like totally fails, which it's not going to, I know that now, but I still have the other things that I've accomplished behind me that, that I know were successful. So in a sense, you're freed from that fear that you don't, know if you can ever be successful.
and you rely, I think, too much on the success of the business to define your own success because you don't have any other markers for it, I think. So that this is, you know, like I'm, I'm almost 62 years old and this is the first time in my life that I haven't had to support myself. And this is the first time where I feel like I have permission to perhaps not be ambitious or as ambitious as I feel like I ought to be. You know, that I don't have to keep chasing more and more and more and more. And that is, um, that's a really freeing feeling that I like. Why do you think you were always chasing ambition before or ambitious goals? Mm, well, part of it was out of necessity in that there was no one else to earn the money to, you know, to feed you and Drew. When you, there's not a safety net, then you do kind of feel pretty driven. You've said several times that you're, you don't consider yourself terribly entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. um, what do you, how would you define someone who's entrepreneurial? What does that person look like? Um, I envision people who are entrepreneurial as, as going into an interaction with a potential client with a sense of, okay, if I get this client, then I'm going to get this much money and this is going to fuel my business and then I'm going to be more successful. Um, whereas when I go in to meet a client, I'm thinking not, I have to, to get this client to sign with me so that I have the money. I look at it and say, I wonder what I could do to help this person. And there are times when I almost feel like, it's okay. You don't have to pay me. It, I really enjoy this. It's it's fine. I'm helping. That's what I want to do, you know. And and yet that that's ridiculous because I'm working hard, um, and I I have earned the right to have this compensation for that. On people who I view as being entrepreneurial, as being much more confident uh, um, that what they provide in whatever business relationship they are in is worth money then I feel I do feel that confidence. I don't feel the same way. Mm. Do you think you ever will? No. Is that okay? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. What was the best day so far? <sighs> a student who's just finished high school now who got into a combined um, bachelor's medical school program. And these are incredibly difficult to get into. And he, he was accepted at two and got to choose the one he wanted the most. And when he called me, to he, he, we'd been working together for a while and he's a really nice young man, I really like him. And he, we went on the video conference and I said, so give me updates, what's going on, what have you heard? And so he said, well, I got rejected from Harvard. And I, I was like, well, we figured that would, you know, it was, it's okay, we'll, we've got all these other things. And he says, oh, and by the way, I got into Jefferson Medical. And he, he was playing with me, and I just, I, I felt like he was my own kid at that point almost. I was so excited for him because we had both worked so hard. He had, it was his work, but I had I'd spent a lot, a lot, a lot of hours with him trying to organize things, and he's going to be a great doctor. That's amazing. And I'm really, I'm really excited for him to see where he goes. Would you say that's... Those moments are why you got it, got wanted mm -hmm. to start the business in the oh, first yeah, place. Oh, yeah, it, it, But it's not entirely those success stories either. Um, it's the process of, I just really, really enjoy helping um, these young people kind of discover themselves. And, 
and the environment right now for college choice is so stressful. Kids are getting this constant message that they have to go to an Ivy League school or they're no good. And being able to sit with a kid who's a great kid and help them understand that they don't have to be admitted to Harvard to be okay. Mm -hmm. That's just hugely gratifying to me. Can you talk a little bit more about the kind of problems that you solve for kids? There are several different kinds, okay? So uh, I've had a couple of students whose parents are divorced. And so both the financial aid part of that is, is exponentially more complicated because the parents are divorced. But also the family dynamics are much more complicated um, because you know the kid is maybe bouncing between two parents and one parent wants this and one parent wants that. And so being an uninvolved, unemotionally involved third party there that can um, almost pull the kid out of the middle of the parent's divorce, that's, I, that's really helpful. And so that the focus becomes just the student and what's right for them and then helping their parents figure that out along with them. That I really, that's a, a good thing. Kids who come into me and think they have, you know, maybe one or two options. They're either going to go to Penn State or they're going to go to Shippensburg. And you show them all these other really interesting, great places, and they come back and they say, this is wonderful. You know, I have a student who's going up to Rochester Institute of Technology, which I had told him about. He didn't know anything about it before. And he got up there and he came back and he, and he said, this is the, this, these are my people. This is where I belong, you know. So solving that problem of them not knowing enough to make a, a decision that I think is going to make them happy, that's one of them. Um, helping them articulate their voice when they write essays. They're not good at that at all when we start out because um, they don't feel like they have permission to have their own voice. You know, high school English beats that out of you, you know, because you can only write about, you know, Hemingway or literary critiques or that kind of thing, and it has to be five paragraphs and it have, you know. And when you say, no, 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 I, I want to hear what you felt. I want to hear what you think. I want to hear your story. Um, that's really cool too. Because some of them have really great stories. And then when you, when you, when you, they tell you the story and then you say, what a great story. Look that. And they're like, really? Oh, okay. That's fun too. I like that. I'm noticing that there is a little bit of a parallel here that so much of your work is making sure that the student feels valued mm -hmm. and that the student can figure out what he or she wants mm -hmm. and figure out how to articulate that and mm -hmm. find their voice. And it sounds like that's so much the story of the business as well. Of You're right. Figuring out what you wanted. Oh, bingo. Yes. Figuring out how to harness your voice. Right. No, I think you're absolutely right. I hadn't even thought of that. That's really amazing insight in a sense because um, I'm not sure that I have, as, as an adult, felt very often that I had my own voice. That I always kind of felt like I had other people's voices that were more important than mine. My kids' voices, my parents' voices, my boss's voices. And now it's my voice that matters. <laughs> um, what's the hardest part of starting a business when you're 57? <laughs> <laughs> the hardest part is... Um, 
making the leap, doing it. Um, I mean, I know people who decide to do it on the side, but it was really obvious to me very early on that this was not something you could do on the side. It was, I was going to have to be all in on it. And so the hardest part was um, having the trust in myself that, I, that it, would, it, it would be okay. And if it's not, we'll do something else. You know, that, it, that it, it was not the end of the world if it didn't go well. You can learn more about my mother, Dr. Jennings, and her work on her website, drj4college.com. That's D-R-J, the number four, college.com. Thanks.